0: at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy the episode. We are here at the final chapter and the final message of Acts, and I have thoroughly enjoyed this, and I hope that you have as well. And we're going to learn how that Paul preached the gospel, finished out the book of Acts, in the, um, the city of Rome in the epicenter, the world power of the day. be like going to Washington, D.C. and communicating the gospel. And so here he is in Rome uh, preaching the gospel. And we're looking at verse number 16. Verse number 16. Acts chapter number 28, verse number 16. And when we, he had traveling companions, when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered, or allowed, to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him, that guarded him. And it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans." who, when they examined me, would have let me go because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you because that for the hope of Israel, the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. And they said unto him, We neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. But we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, Christianity, we know that everywhere uh, it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning till evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, one, one thought, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah, or Isaiah the prophet, unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing, ye shall hear, and shall not understand. And seeing, ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross. Uh, the idea it was hard. And their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they closed lest they should receive with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. And when he had said, the, uh, said these words, the Jews departed, having great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him Let's read verse 31 together preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence. No man forbidding him. Let's be seated. Thank you dear Jesus for allowing us to gather together. We thank you for our freedom. We thank you most of all for our spiritual freedom in you. Thank you for freeing us from the clutches of Satan from the kingdom of Satan the kingdom of darkness from the eternity in hell Lord I I Ask this morning if there is anyone that has not yet been freed, set free, delivered, saved from, from an eternity apart from you. I pray that today would be their day of salvation, that they would trust in you, that they would know true freedom. And Lord, that, then we'd all be able to rejoice together in the freedoms that we, we certainly have in this country that you've placed us in. Now, Lord, I ask that you would help us to be good ambassadors. Lord, like, like the apostle Paul, There in that city, that world power, he was consumed with preaching your truth. And I pray that we'd be consumed with declaring and heralding and preaching the gospel everywhere we can and everywhere we go. Even this week, would we be faithful to you in this way? And I pray that you'd help us with this. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen, so Paul has finally arrived in Rome. He has finally gotten there This has been a dream of his a long awaited dream. He's wanted to be there. He's written about it He has been promised by God that he would indeed go there and preach the gospel even to Caesar's household And so he's finally arrived there He was transferred from Julius into the hands of the captain of the guard and he is there in Rome And now he's allowed to be in his own hired house. That's kind of nice a nice prison, um, prison term awaiting. He had been in prison over in Caesarea, probably not the nicest of prisons, but here, his own hired house where people could come and go. But what I want us to realize is as Luke pens the end of the book of Acts, which is simply sharing how that Christ's mission is continuing, though Christ went back to heaven, spoken about at the beginning of the book of Acts, his mission was continuing by his spirit through his church, through believers just like you and me. And so that's what's been happening. We've been tracing the gospel all the way from Jerusalem, all the way to Rome. And now the gospel is there. There are believers there. Paul is encouraging the believers there. And Paul remains committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ, even there where his life is on the line, where he's threatened, where Rome has this, this man, this central figure in it, Caesar, whose name is Nero, Nero nero was no friend of the gospel no friend of jesus christ why because nero saw himself as a god and the roman people worshipped him there was a worship of him as as the as the caesar and so there was a lot of A lot of conflict between following Jesus Christ or following the Roman government and even in today we see a little bit of a a call probably a lot bit of a call will you follow after government or will you follow after Jesus Christ we are to submit where we can but when when uh, our government calls us away from submitting to Jesus Christ we are always to obey Jesus Christ. When the government says, you're not allowed to preach anymore in Jesus' name, we must preach in Jesus' name. We must not self-censor. We must continue to preach the gospel in this day. We do need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves but we need to use wisdom but we are to obey him and so paul right there is obeying god he is committed to the gospel and truly it is remarkable to see his testimony there and we need to take a note from the apostle paul heed it and put into into practice in our families our workplaces and in our community everywhere that we are and so no matter how unpopular the gospel message was there in rome Paul determined he was gonna be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ there. Now notice the commitment of Paul in verses 16 through 20. Notice how that when he got there, Paul, it says nothing about Paul uh, being enamored with the architecture or being enamored with the buildings. There were some pretty amazing sites in in, uh, in Rome. The the forum there in Rome was a, an amazing place and how it was just laid out and beautiful architecture and some of those ruins are still still there. Uh, the Colosseum in Rome, from which we still here, I grew up near Fort Wayne, and, and there was a Fort Wayne Colosseum where they would have different shows and, and uh, uh, ice hockey and different things um, that went on there. But here's the real Colosseum there in Rome, a beautiful, beautiful um. Uh, Work of art and work of architecture Rome uh, Paul was not enamored with all these things. Why because Paul was there on a mission Sometimes you and I get enamored with this world around us, but Paul was there on a on a mission There's no mention in fact look at verse number 16 all those mentioned about their coming and when we came to Rome and when we came to Rome can you think of a city that you just really want to visit someday and in the, same, in the same way, Paul didn't go there and say, when we came to Rome, we, we, we booked some sightseeing. I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm just saying that Paul's focus was on the gospel. He's, first of all, committed to Jesus Christ. He's committed to Jesus Christ. Notice here, as he calls the Jewish uh, leaders there in Rome, and there was Jews spread throughout the then-known world, um, there, uh, and they were there as well. And so when he calls them together, I want us to realize that Paul remain committed to Jesus Christ Paul had two objectives as you're following along in the notes there I I tried to make it, it all caps as you go through the verses there 17 through 19 but notice Paul's objective was first of all I need to tell you as a Jewish people that I am innocent now that sounds like something that any any criminal would say right I'm innocent I didn't do it all right so but Paul had proof on this I, I didn't do it. I've not said anything against your customs. I've not tried to, uh, tried to hurt you as, as a people. And so he wanted to declare his innocence in verse number 17 to the Jewish religious leaders uh, there. And that he had been uh, falsely accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple back in Jerusalem. That he had been going around. They accused him of going around into all the world and, and trying to pervert the, um, the customs of the Jews. Don't, don't follow after any of the customs and so on. He also wanted, in verse number 18, to note that the the Roman government, and that primarily being Herod, Felix, and Festus back in Caesarea, had said, we don't see any fault in him. We don't see any reason that he deserves death. And so they believed he was innocent. And he wanted to also explain, in verse 19, that he had appealed to Caesar, that he was forced or constrained to appeal to Caesar, that he was not going to Caesar to press charges against Israel against the Jewish people. So he was trying to make sure that he just kind of settled the hearts because who knows what was going to be written up there. So he's trying to head it off at the pass and deal directly with the, the Jewish officials and just say, listen, I'm not here to go to Caesar and say, hey, my country is doing the wrong thing. He wasn't there. He didn't have ought, as he says, against his own country, a countryman. But what he really wanted to communicate, and look in verse number, uh, look in verse number 20 with me. Are you there? for this cause therefore have i called you here's the crux of the matter i wanted to say those other things but here's the crux of the matter verse 20 for this cause i wanted to see you to speak with you because that for the hope of israel for the hope of israel i'm bound with this chain you guys see these chains i'm here in this hired house you see these roman guards the reason i am here is for the hope of israel what's the hope of israel it refers to jesus christ is a part of the, of the Old Testament uh, promises that were made to the patriarchs and throughout the Old Testament in the prophecies of the Messiah and the resurrection of the dead. In fact, in other places in the, in the book of Acts, chapter 23 and verse 6, chapter 24, Paul actually says, For the hope of the resurrection I've been called into account here. Because I believe that all the prophecies of the Messiah are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. That's why I'm on trial. That's why I've been accused. And so that's why I'm here. And he wanted to state that to these Jewish leaders in the city of Rome. And so Paul, even in, in 1 Timothy 1 and verse number 1, when he's speaking to Timothy, he um, calls out to him, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by commandment of, of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. And that's true of you today, too. He is your hope. As Brother Morris so aptly described that word, it's a confident expectation. Friends, the world is going to constantly try to tear at your hope, your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ. But he is your hope. Cling on to him. He is your anchor of hope. He is the reason that you um, you, uh, can have faith. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I thank the Lord for that. He is our hope. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of that. And I'm not ashamed to call the Jewish religious leaders. Remember, the Jewish religious leaders, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees, were the very reason he was in this mess. And yet he doesn't try to get around them. He isn't ashamed of it. He calls them, right. come come right to me. I'm going to say exactly why I'm here. I'm here for the hope of Israel. I'm here because I believe in Jesus Christ. I want to declare that to you. Romans 1 and verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Paul had practiced that all the way throughout the book of Acts. He had practiced going to the Jew first. Here again in Rome, he went to the Jews first. He couldn't go to their synagogue, so he, went, uh, he called them to him and he communicated the hope of Israel to him. He did not try to skirt around it. And sometimes today we're asked to be quiet. The world can be loud, And bold about its iniquity and about its sin it can have its festivals and its pride it said this on this this past week you saw that that on pride parade that that called out we're coming for your children we're coming for your children friends they mean it they're not joking around and friends if they can be that bold about their iniquity and God wants to save them and forgive them as well he wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth he wants to change their lives we have a savior that big Right, he wants all men to be saved. But if they can call out and cry out those things, can we not stand up and declare the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Right in the middle of all the chaos that's going around, it wasn't easy to say this in, in Rome. He was standing beside soldiers who had sworn allegiance to Caesar. And to worship something other than Caesar and to believe there was a king other than Caesar was a big deal. And yet, Paul was right. Just bold in this. Bold in his commitment to Jesus Christ. May we be bold. Don't self-censor. We hear about that. Self-censor. I don't know. I might, I should, I might lose my job. I might, I might not have that friend anymore. Friends, let's be bold. Let's be good workers. The person that's witnessing all the time on the job and taking time off of, um, from work and not doing their, their business, that, that's a problem. We're to be honest with our hours. But the reality is we can find ways to witness and to proclaim Jesus Christ. We can praise him in front of others. So Paul was committed to Jesus Christ, but he's committed to witnessing because they schedule an appointment. Hey, listen, we, uh, we haven't heard any letters. We haven't heard a thing. Now, I don't know whether this is true or not, but this is what they, they said. I, I know the Bible is true. I know this is what they said. Don't get me wrong there, all right? The Bible's true from cover to cover and the cover to when it says Holy Bible. But... Understand that these guys said, we haven't even heard a word about you. Uh, So that's pretty amazing if that that is the case. But regardless, they said, we have heard about this sect of uh, Christianity, and we want to hear what you think about it. So we'll come back. And so a great many of them come back together, and they sit down with Paul for an entire day, an entire day, morning to evening, and they discuss, Paul discusses, and there's words used here that he expounded or elaborated, And this went on and on. He elaborated, and there's much to expound about Jesus Christ. Is there not? When you're talking to somebody that has no concept of who Jesus is, there's much to expound about him. Though the gospel is simple enough for a child to receive, there's much to expound about the glories and riches of his grace. And so Paul was doing that. He was expounding. But the operative word here is he testified. He testified, notice that word there, he testified to bear witness, to um, to solemnly assert something, to, uh, to give a firsthand authentication of a fact. And Paul had a firsthand account. Remember when he was on the road to Damascus, Acts chapter number nine, he had a firsthand account of meeting Jesus Christ there. And he knew that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead. It wasn't just something he heard. He knew it. He had seen him, And he's giving a first-hand account to these, on these men. And he is giving this as a testimony. Do you remember that you have a testimony too? You have a testimony. If you've come to Jesus Christ and placed trust in him, you have a testimony of the day that you met Jesus And the day that you surrendered your heart to him in the sense that you said, I believe you are the one that can save me from my sins. I trust you and you alone. You have a testimony too. You say, well, mine's not as cool as the Apostle Paul. Well, sure, you're going to see him. But the, um, the, the fact of the matter is you still have a firsthand account how that you, you came to Jesus Christ and you trusted him. And Paul was simply sharing his testimony with them. And I want to encourage you to do the same. He shared the the truths of the kingdom of God. That includes the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but certainly looks forward to the millennial reign of Jesus Christ when he will reign perfectly for 1,000 years upon the earth. Right now he's setting up his kingdom in our hearts. And friends, you and I, as we submit to him, we are acknowledging that his kingdom has rule in our hearts he wants us to be kingdom people. He wants us to be under his rule. And so it's not a physical kingdom where he's sitting on a throne, but he is to be sitting on the throne of your heart and my heart. And every day you and I have that choice. Lord, please have control. Please have control. And if you wonder where you need to take a next step, how you need to grow in your Christianity, start each day by submitting yourself to the rule, to the will of Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't know where you want me to go today. I know I have some things on my schedule. I know I need to go to work, but I submit myself to you. You are my Lord. You are, I'm, I'm going to follow you. I want your will to be done in my life as it is in heaven. And so all throughout the Bible, as Paul testified here concerning from the prophets and, and forward, he testified of Jesus Christ. And I do want to just kind of clear up and make sure that we all understand that the whole Bible is about Jesus Christ. The climax of the Bible is the person of Jesus Christ. And at the end of the Bible, we saw in in Growth Group this morning, Revelation 22 and verse number 17, the Spirit and His bride, the church, is calling out, Whosoever will come, come, drink of the water of life freely. The The whole invitation of Scripture is come to Jesus Christ, be reconciled through His blood, through His sacrifices, death, burial, and resurrection. He reconciled to the father through him the whole climax is it and so we find in luke chapter number 24 jesus himself saying and beginning at moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them on the road to emmaus in all the scriptures the things concerning himself in all the scriptures so you say well i don't see him in the old testament i, I encourage you to read through the old old testament asking god to show you the pictures and the types in the foreshadowings of Jesus Christ. The Passover lamb is a beautiful foreshadowing of the Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood was shed and put on the doorposts of the houses. And when the death angel came by the houses of Israel there in Egypt, he passed over because the blood had covered them. And so doesn't the blood cover our sins and take away our sins so that uh, we are not susceptible to an eternity apart in a place called hell, an eternal death apart from him. Luke 24 and verse 44, these are the words which I spake unto you that while I was yet with you, that all things might be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. The prophets, the, the book of Moses, the law of Moses, and the Psalms. All of it points to Jesus Christ. There's all, and Jesus is saying, listen, all Scripture points to me. And Paul is reiterating that. He's testifying of that to these Jewish leaders there. Jesus is the only way to heaven. There's not one way in the Old Testament and another way in the New Testament. It's all been by faith. Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. The faith of the Old Testament believers was towards the coming Messiah. Our faith is looking back on the Messiah who's already come. They practice those sacrifices looking forward to. It's always been by faith. Don't let you, uh, anyone tell you, well, in the Old Testament, you got saved by your works. That is patently false. That is not in Scripture. And the Bible clearly lays that out for us in Romans chapter number four. If, if, if we're of works, then we're a debtor. Then we, we earn it. We have whereof to boast. Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness. Even there on the, on the top of Mount Moriah, when he brought his son, what did he say to his son? He says, God will provide himself a lamb. And as he is about to take the, uh, his, li- on the, his son's life, uh, God stopped him and, and showed him a lamb caught, a, a ram caught in the thicket, and God provided a lamb, and so didn't he provide a lamb for your sins. The final Passover lamb, and you know what's most beautiful about that is on Passover. On Passover, think about the, the creativity, the planning of God. On Passover, Jesus Christ was was slain for your sins and for mine. The perfect fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures. And so it's always been by faith. And if you've not yet received Jesus Christ, I encourage you to receive him by faith. I am the way, Jesus said, the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There'll be no boasting in heaven. You'll not be there because you were righteous. You'll be there because Jesus Christ was righteous and you accepted it. So from morning to night, Paul is declaring that. And I want to encourage you to stand fast in that. We live in a day, they say, according to um, a survey done by probes, they say that even born-again believers, those that claim to be born-again believers, have testified or have responded to a survey that they they don't believe that jesus christ is the only way to heaven do you know what that is that is that is people being taken off the ground of faith not holding fast their profession like hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 22 says don't don't apologize for believing that jesus christ is the exclusive way to heaven be rock solid in that that is not that is not your truth to mess with that's not my truth to change that is god's truth And he is calling to the whole world. The grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to a few men, all men. His desire is that all would come to repentance in the knowledge of the truth, that all men would believe on him. And so Paul is communicating that to these Jews in his house there in Rome. Pretty amazing that God provided this opportunity for them. Ah, there's some conflict among them, though. Uh, there was a mixed response. If you notice in verse number 24, some believed the things, and then some believed not. Some were convinced or being convinced, and others disbelieved. They Did not trust. And it's specifically a word that used to not trusting in the God of Israel, not trusting in Jesus as the Messiah. This was a resolute determination in their heart. We do not believe. So there were some that were being convinced is the the definition of believe there. And there was others that chose not to believe. And so the gospel, when it's preached and when it's declared, will always, always bring about a response one way or the other. To either receive or to reject. Every one of us have had that chance to either receive Jesus Christ or reject Jesus Christ. In fact, there are only two categories of people in here. Not old and young. Not male and female. There are. We, we believe in that, right? Amen? But truly, it, in, in the perspective of eternity, there are only two categories of people. Those that have received and those that have rejected. Which category are you in today? You cannot cannot be in the middle. There is no neutral response. In fact, the Bible says in in John chapter 3 and verse number 18 that he that believeth on him, Jesus, is not condemned. He that believeth on Jesus is not condemned. Okay, That's their current standing. But he that believeth not is condemned in eternity? No, already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Jesus as very God so he's not believed and so there's already a condemnation So you're either in one camp or the other So my encouragement is today Let this be the day of your salvation and believe on Jesus Christ now there was a willful rejection look at verse number 25 When they agreed not among themselves they departed So there was the ones being convinced and the ones that were choosing not to believe they they're rejecting Christ and now they're saying Hey, uh there's a turmoil that's going on between. There's a rejection that's going on between. They're not agreeing, and there's this conversation. They're about ready to leave, and Paul says, I need to say one more thing. I need to basically say to you that you are fulfilling what Isaiah said back in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter number 6 in verses 9 through 10. In fact, it's a pretty verbatim quote that he gives there. And so he says, listen, your eyes are, are, are not perceiving your ears are dull of hearing. Your mind is not understanding. Your heart is not being converted. You're not being healed. Uh, and this is exactly what what Isaiah said would happen. Friends, that's a very scary thing. But Paul is bringing this up to them saying, "This you are fulfilling this exact prophecy. You're fulfilling that. What I find a little bit interesting here is this group that was believing and the group that was not believing, the group that was being convinced and the group that was choosing not to trust in uh, Jesus Christ, uh, it seems that the whole crowd walks away that day. Now, I, I don't know hearts, but the whole crowd walks away that day. And I would just be, I, I would be remiss in not saying this. It's important that you watch out that you're not carried away by the, by the disbelief of others. I hear sometimes people will say, well, I could never do that because my, my family, that's not my family's religion. Listen, don't, don't, face an eternity apart from God because it's not your family's religion. Follow Jesus. Follow after him. Follow his will, follow his word. And uh and that's so very important. So he is saying there that those that did not believe would not be healed, they would not be cured, they would not be made healthy again and to reject Jesus Christ is to miss out on spiritual wholeness, it's to miss out on spiritual freedom, it's to miss out on eternity. It's to miss out on being reconciled with your creator. And so he calls them to this, but he says, listen, you are fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah in your rejection. Now, it's interesting, all the way from Jerusalem to Rome, over and over, there had been a group of people that generally rejected the message of the Messiah. All the way from Jerusalem to Rome, Paul had gone to the synagogues, he'd preached the gospel, but as a whole, the nation had rejected them. Their overall stance was, we put Jesus on the cross, we don't want to believe this, we know about the resurrection, we're going to pay hush money to the soldiers that saw it, we're not going to believe. And their overall attitude was a spirit of rejection. Now, some people have said that because of this, that uh, God's done with Israel, um, that the church groups like us the church believers have replaced israel that doesn't bear out in scripture god is again going to after he raptures the church the next thing that's on the prophetic calendar after he raptures the church he'll begin to deal again with israel he'll bring judgment to them but they will through that uh he will send uh evangelists to them he will seek to win them there will be much there will be much uh, turmoil on the earth during that time but the focus of god during that tribulation period will be on israel his chosen people and he was not chosen because he was excluding everyone else he had chosen them uh, to be a light to the nations to be a light uh, a voice through which he would declare his glory among the heathen is what isaiah says but they they did not they Uh, Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not they rejected him they would not believe on him and so now God has set them aside and the Bible says in Romans 11 and verse 11 that he has set them aside and brought salvation to the Gentiles so as to provoke jealousy in his own people but once again he will deal with uh, deal with Israel and I just want to say affirmatively the Bible teaches God is not done with Israel He is not done with Israel. And you and I should continue to pray for Israel. You and I should continue to uh, to um, pray for the peace of Israel. We support missions to Israel. Why? Because God is not done with Israel, and we believe that. We want Israel to be saved just like Paul. We want the same thing Paul had a heart for, that his countrymen would come to the knowledge of the truth. So what does Paul do? These people are leaving. They're rejecting I want us to notice how that Paul continued in the gospel there. The continuation of the gospel there in Rome. He says in verse number 28, verse number 28, he says, To those that will hear it, he says, Be it known therefore unto you that salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And that they will hear it. Well, there was a group of people that would not hear it. They were rejecting Jesus and that was their own choice. God has given man, uh, you and I, the free will. And we either receive or we reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We either place faith or choose not to. And that is their their free will. And they refuse the gospel. And so Paul says God has sent the gospel to the Gentiles. He has opened the gospel to the Gentiles. And it's going to be the Gentiles that take the gospel throughout the whole world. It would be through the church that now in this age, and this dispensation that that the gospel would be published through the whole world and god gave us that mandate and so he says they will they will hear it they will hear it and so i want us to notice that the gospel continues to those that will hear it to those that will hear it here is to heed to listen to pay close attention to and there were people like cornelius Uh, a Roman centurion that wanted so badly to hear. There are people like Lydia who wanted so badly to hear and to understand. And they rejoiced in the receiving of the gospel. The Samaritans rejoiced in the receiving of the gospel. The Ethiopian eunuch rejoiced in the receiving of the gospel. And all these folks, they were ready to hear the gospel. And so what's amazing here, at the climax of the the book of Acts, this history of the early church, Luke points out, yes, the gospel has gotten... From Jerusalem to Rome, but here once again for a final time, the Jewish leaders reject the gospel of Jesus Christ. They reject the Messiah. And Paul says, I'm going to continue to preach it to those that will hear it. And the Gentiles will hear it. The Bible does not tell us to disparage, um, disparage Israel, disparage them in any way. Uh, the Bible does not promote in any way anti-Semitism. That's wrong. It's against God. They were created in the image of God just like we are. It's like it doesn't matter what race you are here today. We're all created in the image of God. But God's focus is bringing the gospel to the world, not through Israel right now, but through the church, through people like you and me. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that you get to be a part of what God's doing in the world? And so that is what Paul is saying. Now, I want us to catch this, this thought, this principle. Paul did not fixate on those that were rejecting the gospel. Sometimes you and I get fixated on the family member, or the coworker that has rejected the gospel over and over and over again. And we get down in the dumps about it, and we should have a burden for their soul, but we stop sharing the gospel because one person is rejecting it. Paul did not fixate on the rejectors. he f- focused on the people who would receive it, who would hear it. Who in your life right now, is ready to hear the message of the gospel? And will you take it to them this? This week, there's a high probability that most of the unchurched people in your life, neighbor, coworker, has never had someone ask them to sit down and show them from the Bible how they can know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There's a high probability. Well, if you ask them if they love Jesus, friends, that is not sharing the gospel. What is sharing the gospel is saying, hey, we're all sinners, condemned before a holy God. He loves us so much, that he came to die in our place for our sins. And he rose again the third day, showing that he had victory, power over sin, death, and hell. And he is offering to you salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. And if you'll trust in him, he will save you for all of eternity. From this point forward, for all of eternity, he will give you eternal life. That's a gift that you receive by faith, not of works. And talk through it. Go through John three sixteen, Romans 10 and verse number 13, Romans 6 and verse 23, Romans 3 and verse number 23, and go through it and show them. Chances are they've never heard someone open up the Bible and show them. Sometimes, well, well they showed up to church one time. Friends, they need your witness with an open Bible, maybe an open tract that gives you a guidance. It says, here's what it is. This is when I was saved, and here's what it means to be saved, and show them from the Bible. And I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to look for those in your life that you could share the gospel with. But it also continues not just to those that will hear it, but through those that will share it. Now notice the Apostle Paul didn't say, well, the believers here in Rome that I've written to, they'll take care of it. I'm in prison. I'm kind of I'm done right now. Like, like, Just leave me alone. It's been a long boat ride here. It's been a long uh, imprisonment. Just let me enjoy the, on, these, on these times of, of solace. No, Paul was an open house to those that would come. And so in verses uh, uh, 30 uh, through 31, Paul dwelt two whole years, and he was busy in those two years in his own hired house receiving. Evidently, people just started coming. The idea is that Paul didn't uh, invite them necessarily, but opened up his house, and they just started coming. They passed by. Oh, we need to go over and see the apostle Paul. And, And they started coming, and to all that came in, wouldn't you like to have a revolving door? To all that came in, The Bible says he preached the kingdom of God and taught those things that concern Jesus Christ. So everyone that came in, Paul's point was, I'm going to teach you what I believe about Jesus. I'm going to teach you the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to teach you how to have salvation through faith in his name. He preached, and he did so with all confidence. Not like, hush, hush. Let's go in the other room from the soldier. Let's not say it in front of him. He's napping right now. Let's get in this time. No, he didn't do it in hushed tones. The Bible actually uses the word preach to herald. Now, I don't think Paul was shouting in his living room. I don't think that's the idea. But I do believe that he was not ashamed, that he lifted up his voice and he shared with anyone that would come through his house, through this, this house arrest, this is Jesus, and if you believe on him, he will save you from all of your sins and give you eternal life. He heralded it. Sometimes we talk about Jesus in hushed tones or we're not super confident about it. Friends, could I encourage you with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the help of his spirit, he said in Acts 1 and verse number 8, but when the Holy Ghost has come upon you, ye shall be witnesses. That's the power that we need to be a witness. You can't share Christ on your own. You cannot, you cannot argue somebody into heaven. Maybe you've tried that before. How many of you tried to argue someone into heaven before? It doesn't work very well. Friends, let me encourage you right now. Can you think of somebody, raise your hand on this. Can you think of somebody who you've tried to share Jesus with, share your testimony with, and has rejected to this point? Okay? Now, we carry a burden for that. They have that choice. Your your responsibility is not to make them get saved. You can't change their heart they ultimately have that choice. And we are burdened for those that have not made that choice. But can I just encourage you, again, to in those moments where you feel like, I gotta, I gotta get them to believe on Jesus Christ, simply to call it out to Jesus, say, I cannot do anything here. I need your Holy Spirit to work. Now, they still have a choice. They have a choice to make. You can't force them. But you and I can depend upon the Holy Spirit of God in that moment. Whoever just came to your mind, I encourage you, Lord, I can't change them. You've got to do the work. You might challenge them to read the book of John. You might challenge them to, uh, to hear, hear a message or read a book. But my encouragement to you, you don't try to force them into heaven. You can't do that. But the Holy Spirit can work in their hearts. And so we preach expecting him to do that. Paul's ministry, one author said, Paul's ministry, though limited in its breadth, was not limited in its depth. It was very deep. And why we see that Paul spent time there, those two years, spent time edifying, discipling at least nine different men that came through that the Bible mentions. Nine different men. Uh, Luke, Aristarchus, that went with him on the boat, on the ship to Rome. But Onesimus, that runaway uh, slave from Philemon, Uh, Tychicus, Epaphras, Epaphroditus, Mark, Demas, and Timothy. And these men would have come through Rome and would have spent some time in that house listening to the Apostle Paul, edifying them, building them up in their faith, and also discipling them. Paul's ministry, though limited in its breadth, was not limited in its depth. It was a very deep and effective ministry there. And even in seasons of life where you're bound where you can't do what you'd like to do, like we've already talked about on the, the island of Malta, the reality is God can use you in every season of your life to help people come to know him and also help people be discipled and go on for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in that time, Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. We still treasure those um, books today. Paul's ministry was, not, was limited in its breadth but not limited in its depth, it was continuing and continues to this day to bless us, even from that that house where he was under house arrest. The Bible says that many of of Caesar's household came to know Jesus Christ. We might understand that, perhaps some of his children. We don't know that for sure, but guards that were around Paul... But it seems that those that had sworn allegiance or have been tightly connected to Caesar, Philippians 4 and verse number 22, all the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. Paul's ministry was very successful there. Paul would be delivered from Nero after his first hearing. Many believe that he had a fourth missionary journey that Acts does not detail. This is kind of Luke had caught up with history at that point. And um, he would have gone to many different, many different places. Colossae, Macedonia, Ephesians, Spain, Crete, Corinth, Miletus, Troas. Um, many of those mentioned in 2 Timothy, his final book that he wrote, that he penned to his son in the faith. He would have been arrested, we don't know why for the second time, but he would have been arrested again would have faced trial, and this time he would have been beheaded around 67 or 68 A.D., but before that he wrote that final letter to his son of the faith, Timothy. Very effective years of Paul's life, but all focused on communicating the gospel. Friends, your legacy will not be how much money you leave in the bank. Your legacy will not be what plaque is on a park bench. Your legacy will not be what you have accumulated in in your education, though it's not a bad thing. Your legacy will be the ones that you've communicated Jesus Christ to and you've been able to lead through your life and your testimony to Jesus Christ. See here, Luke has detailed for us under inspiration of the Holy Spirit the gospel's journey from Jerusalem all the way to Rome. And what an expanse that was. That was the then known world. That's what Jesus told them to do, and they did it. And in Colossians, Paul literally says, We've preached the gospel to all the world. We've preached the gospel to all the world, and certainly he had. And so, as he comes to the end of this book, we realize that what was said in Acts 1 and verse number 8 you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses in Judea, or Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. It happened, friend. We need to believe that it can still happen in our day, but it starts with you. Our purpose as a church is to engage in the complete fulfillment of the great commission of Jesus Christ through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. You and I cannot do that on our own. We must do it through the help of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you today, you might think, huh, who do I know? There was one, one uh, study that was done said that 83% of people that attend church say they attended because they were invited by a a family member or a close friend you say well how can i contribute to the gospel start this week by inviting somebody we're going to preach the gospel this is a place where if they have questions we're going to answer it you can certainly share and you should be prepared to share your faith in jesus christ but invite them invite them it makes a difference Maybe you've passed by that neighbor many times and you've not invited them yet. Make this week the week. As you go out to 4th of July celebrations, make this week the week you invite somebody. Another study that was done showed that most believers know at least seven unchurched individuals. They know seven unchurched individuals. I challenge you to write down. I was thinking about this yesterday of the, the people I know in my life that are unchurched. And know more than seven. It's probably not hard for you to know more than seven like that are already in your sphere of life. Write those names down. Pray on them. Ask God to give you opportunities, but invite them. Invite them to experience what you're experiencing. Invite them to get under the Word. Invite them onto an opportunity to hear the Gospel. Not just on special Sundays. Every Sunday, we open up the Word of God. You know that? And the Word of God, if you really believe it, changes lives. The Word of God in any service can change a life. And so invite them. Paul was focused on the gospel, and I want to encourage you to be focused on the gospel. That's where the end of the, on the book of Acts ends. It's almost like it just pauses. Have you ever gotten to the end of a, a story or a movie, and it's like, well, that was abrupt. That's kind of what happens here. But the reality is Acts hasn't concluded. The Acts of the Holy Spirit... The mission of Christ is still continuing through his church and by his spirit today, but it's happening through you. And let's make sure that we do well in publishing the gospel in our generation. And I'm just calling on you as we conclude this book of Acts to once again commit that to the Lord. You need his help with it, but committed to the Lord. I'm in. I'm going to communicate the gospel. I'm going to be committed to Jesus Christ no matter how bad it gets. I'm going to always be uh, committed to Jesus Christ I'll communicate the gospel for his glory. Would you bow with me in prayer? This morning I'm going to invite us to pray, find a place to pray and commit ourselves in this way. Participate in the purpose of getting the gospel in this community. We have outreaches coming up. We've had outreaches. We need to follow up on people I had someone tell me this morning, they'll follow up, they'll go visit. We could use people to so go visit. There's going to be opportunities to go and share the gospel. But we need to, we need to share the gospel with that person we you know that has come to our heart today. We need to be doing this. And so I'm going to ask you to pray in that way. And how many of you would say with me, Pastor, I want, like Paul to be committed to the gospel. That's my heart. I want to be committed to the gospel. I want to continue to share it. I want to be committed to the gospel. You say with an upraised hand, Pastor, that is my heart. I want to be committed to the gospel. Amen. So with that hand and with that heart, I want to encourage you in just a moment to pray. Is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, I don't know for sure that I've been saved. I have not yet received Jesus Christ, but I would like to. I'll not point you out, but I wonder, is there anyone here today that does not yet know for certain that they're saved and on their way to heaven? You'd say, Pastor, here's my hand. Please pray for me. I have questions. Anyone like that here today? Father, I pray that you would help us as your people to follow after you, to be committed to the gospel. I ask that you would bring clarity to anyone here that's questioning, wondering. I pray that you bring clarity and understanding we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To learn more about Grace Baptist or how to have eternal life, visit gracekettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.